what's in our duality. As our energies explore the possibilities, time is but an illusion, and information is power. You're listening to InnerLightRadio.com, the healing frequency. Dr. Jacinta C.K. and welcome to the Strategic Ladies Radio Show. We're in live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you relationship information and strategy from our guests and in our research. Our show is going to always give you guys a generational perspective and real-world opinions. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Estella, and welcome to the show. Uh, I hope the listeners are out there. Uh, we are live, and you can call us at 310-928-7733. Again, 310-928-7733. Now, we're going to be talking about the massacre in Las Vegas today and how horrific mm-hmm. it was and how horrible it was. And um Although I didn't experience it firsthand, um, one of my students was actually in the 10th row at the concert, and I'll share some of the things that happened with him. We're also going to have a special guest. Yes, Kitty Ottawa. And he's been on a show before. Yes, and we're really excited and to have him on. We're he's, really excited. He actually lives there in Las Vegas. and. Yeah. He's going to tell us more about um, some of the things he experienced. He's an award-winning author, chef, journalist, nutrition, nutritional healer, broadcaster, and scientific futurist. Yes, and, and he's been on the show to get, uh, before, and we're going to really yes. enjoy having him back on to share his perspective and um, talk about you know some of the things we can do maybe to help or, or heal afterwards. Exactly. So before we go forward, we'll talk about... We'll do our mindful check. Yes. How are you, Jay? I'm doing well. Um, I actually am feeling really good. Um, you know, the weather's nice. Um, I have family around us. Well, I have some oils here, I Jay. know. I if see. You I see. You pull out these oils and put a little on your hand. One of the tricks you can do, <laughs> which is it, you well, laugh. Um, let's go back to how she's feeling now. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the deal. I am very um, relaxed right now, but I'm also very sick. So what I do is I take a little relaxation oil, I put it in the palms of my hands, I rub it together, and I inhale it, and it just chilly makes you feel just like you're. So back to my mindful check. Yeah, I don't need any more relaxation. If anything, I need something to pep me up. So if you want to give me something that brings me like. Well, to high energy but i feel really good you guys i feel blessed i'm always happy to be on our show and to to be with you guys so how about you dr self um i'm good i have i mean i'm still getting over this cold yeah. and i'm starting to feel a lot better but i have this voice that is very deep i know right and um can't ever get a high note right now if I try to sing it. You know, like, oh. well, you know, you sound better at this. This like when you sing at that lower level, it sounds good anyway. So it's just gonna, <laughs> impro- you know, yeah, it looks good. It sounds good. A lot of guys would think that's hot right now. Well, uh, since I stay at home, I guess they would. Um, but anyway, so everything's good. But yeah, I just want you know we we um we wanted to talk a little bit about you know our topic a little bit just as segue yes. into. Um, until Katie gets on, um, Katie, yes. we'll talk a little bit about uh, what happened. Um, well, so um, from my perspective, there's a lot of dynamics going on with this event. Mm. 
You know, it's um, that smells good. Isn't it great? Oh, wait, is it the you guys, if you have some oils, it's a really good oh. idea to do that before our show, and just put it in your. Yeah, hands. you put some nails in it. I don't know what you put on just now, but it hit me all of a sudden. You like it? Yeah, but finally um, relaxed. But um, oh, we have a caller. It looks like. Hi, caller. Where are you from, and what's your name? Greetings. Greetings. Katie Owado here at Radio. Radio. Hey, Katie. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I hope my sisters are in beautiful spirits today. Brother Jamal had sent me a note and said that you were going to be talking about the events that happened here in Las Vegas this past Sunday. Right. Yeah, yeah. Glad you joined early. We were going to pull you in about 11.15, but this is perfect timing because we were just getting ready to talk to you about... Um, some of the things that happen and from your perspective because yeah. you're out there um, you're out there and there's a lot 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 to talk about now, that's right well you bring me in when you need me I'll be no ready i need you it. now i need you yeah. now this perfect mm-hmm. segue so um i was just sharing that um there, there's a lot of conversation about what's happened there's a lot of theories out there this what of what's happened um, there's a lot of healing that needs to take place after what's happened. And there's a lot of things that we, as America, need to face um, since of this this disaster. And, and, and we I think we all agree we can't keep going down this same path um, of uh, destruction. Yes. Oh, absolutely. This highly inflammatory, outrageous incident of violence brings to the surface a number of different conversations and thoughts you talked about you know the various theories of how this could have emerged there are serious questions that uh, seem to be perplexing people of how a lone individual could be doing this how they could get access to so much firepower in this particular place there have been rumors of uh, multiple uh, shooters and uh, there also have been a huge number of people who race to the internet with their own particular pet theories or whatever, mm-hmm. much of which can be and should be dismissed rather quickly because, you know, you have just a lot of people who just crave attention and are going to use every incident such as this to just push their own um, push their own ideas out there and their own thoughts. And, you know, I have written extensively about conspiracies for many, many years. So mm-hmm. conspiracies do exist, but they do require proper fact based examination and i will say openly that in the week that has followed this outrageous event here in las vegas there has been a lot of disinformation misinformation that has been pushed out there that i have been counteracting i also agree i also agree um uh i was one of the things that i know that you mentioned the lone shooter and someone doing this alone. I mean, um, I've heard people say that this person was kidnapped and he was, he was made to do this. And, or, and I've heard that, and I, and I have a lot of uh, military and I'm a, I'm a professor. So I have a lot of military in my class and they don't believe that one person could have loaded the gun so quickly and got them going. And if it had been, you know, because the barrel head gets too hot, um, so there was a whole lot of different theories out there, and it's just, um, we, I think it's going to take time. And to your point, Kitty, you got to get the research before you start throwing theories out there, and you mm-hmm. got to investigate it. So, um, yeah. Um, and now you are in Vegas, right? That's correct. And so, um, c- kind of tell us now about the climate, how it is. I mean, I I have heard from some people um, about how um, the climate of the area now after this happened. Have you been to this trip? Um, You know something, since I've been in Vegas five years now, I very rarely go to the strip. Mm -hmm. And for this very reason, because we've known there have been domestic threats against this nation and long, it's been long talked about the, you know, avoidance of very large crowds if you want to keep yourself Mm -hmm. kind of out of the danger zone. Um, I have pretty much avoided the strip much of the five years that I've been here. I've, I rarely go down there. Um, mm-hmm. And I haven't been there uh, in the week that has passed because I know it's just chaos down there. And me wandering around in the middle of that is not necessarily going to add much of anything to it. Um, yeah. Nonetheless, one thing that was being very helpful here in Las Vegas is that 
early on, all of the local media turned their facilities on full time. And so they're gathering information from close to the scene uh, with eyewitnesses, et cetera, that's unfiltered. And it is that early access to information that I've always said when it comes to these major events that happen like 911 or some airplane crashes or some other major events. It is the earliest unfiltered information that ultimately you can look back towards back to and see that certain things that might have been relevant or revealed early on were not necessarily covered later when the story kind of gets filtered to the official narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know um, some people have said that people are still actually gambling and they're going on business as usual, which just kind of talks about behavior, right? Social behavior and how um, for many of those people, they they can't get back. I had a, um, a student that actually was on the 10th row of the um, during the attack and he interesting. He was saying that in the midst of all of that disaster, people were still helping one another. They were carrying people. They were acting as shields. They were, they were saying, you know what, having conversations that, you know, I'm older, you're younger. I'll shield you because you need to live. I've enjoyed my life. Um, he said that um, people weren't running out inside that that auditorium they were helping one another and he was in the front row so i don't know not front row was, i think he's in row 10 mm-hmm. um, but he was saying that people were like calmly just moving and i think i think in a nash in a disaster you don't know how you're going to react right mm-hmm. you don't know how those fight or flight syndromes from shock are going to have you react right but he said most people there had this caring helping and all around him were dead bodies, and they were just kind of walking over them. And when he left the uh, event, it was so horrific that when he left the event, there were body parts and things on him, like debris of mm-hmm. a disaster. So it, it, it's um, it's so horrible for people that were there who made it, as well as those who were killed, because they have to live with it. He and his wife, and, and then that survivor syndrome, why did I, my wife and I, make it out? Mm-hmm. When no one yeah. else didn't. And so I think there's a lot of uh, therapy that has to happen with the people that did survive. And we lost a student who didn't survive. Uh, she wasn't in my class, but she was. Um, um, so it's, it's a sad, sad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we're talking about listening to the background chatter of conspiracy theories, some of whom, of some of which have really kind of gotten on my nerves because they are so... Um, malicious in their intent. Um, The testimony that you just shared contradicts a number of these people who is saying that this was all crisis actor stage, that there were real, no real casualties, etc. And um, while we do acknowledge conspiracies do exist, we as people of African heritage in this country know beyond a shadow of a doubt of government involvement and a lot of horrific things that have injured and killed our leaders, our people, and our ambitions. Yes, they do exist, but we've got to be realistic. And what we've got to do the best our, our we can to avoid is being trapped in superstition and fantasy as our way of responding, relating to the world around us. The world doesn't need yes. us to be constantly harping on superstition and fantasy on wild theories when in actuality, if we'd listened to the instructions of people like Marcus, Messiah, Garvey, Mary McLeod, Bethune, and others who said get scientifically organized and lead your people that way, we could mm-hmm. be doing so much better. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those um, theories. Um, and, the, you know, I, I've, I've heard some different things. I'm sure we all heard different things. Give us a little bit more about what you've heard as far as um, uh, one of these, these theories you've heard. Well, the, there are key questions that must be answered. Some of the theories we heard, such as uh, evidence of a shooter on the fourth floor by looking at flashing lights in the, in the window, that one was very easily dismissed uh, because, you know, there wouldn't be how you're going to see flashing lights from a window when someone's shooting through that window. These are very thick windows. It would have taken quite a bit of effort to smash the window and therefore no lights. And even then, 
the lights reflecting didn't match the reports of the gunshots. Um, number two, I've heard a number of different audio recordings of the shots. Um, one, the idea of multiple shooters shooting at one time does not fit the audio recordings of the shots. You don't hear um, reports of more than one gun shooting at one time. You would hear different types of effects, such as um, they would be shooting at different rates, and so there'd be kind of a um, disharmony between the rates of bullets. You'd hear the reports would be coming from different angles and reflecting from different angles, so they would actually sound different. And even the caliber of a gun might sound different if it's a 30 caliber as opposed to a 308 caliber. So if, from all the evidence I've seen, if reports of multiple gunmen shooting at the same time, I must say, uh, does not is not supported by the evidence. Yeah. But there are serious questions, such as how does someone get such an arsenal into a highly secure hotel on the 32nd floor over the course of four days? A significant arsenal not to be detected by the maids, etc. And uh, other questions such as these hotels have extensive, extensive security cameras. So someone hauling in this type of arsenals, maybe as many as 23 separate weapons, as long as well as thousands of rounds of ammunition would have shown up on video cameras. So there are questions yeah. that yet remain unanswered. And that that is a that is a really good point. The thing, um, if it were, you know, the theory of having multiple shooters, the, the my friend who was in there, or my student that was in there, actually said that it it was for, you know, it started. And then it stopped. There were a pause. Mm-hmm. It started, and then there was a stop as well. So this person could have probably had. First of all, he couldn't have shot from one type of gun because the barrel wouldn't have loaded. That, from what I understand, but he did Correct. have all those guns, right? So, <laughs> so he had them lined up. It was strategically planned out. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think. I think. Um, you're exactly right. How do, and you know, everyone says Vegas is Sin City, right? How do you get that much of sin in without someone noticing? It couldn't have, it, to me, it couldn't have been done without someone else knowing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't see it. Well, you're making excellent points. And, you know, the other thing about Las Vegas in this, and there, there are like eight macro trends that surround this incident and this time that ultimately I, I do want to bring those up. And one of those eight is that Nevada is about as intense an example of an obsessive gun culture that one could ever imagine. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to visit a gun show. I think that every American citizen or everyone living in this country should visit a gun show and see the type of mentality of people that you may not necessarily even imagine that these people have such an obsession with gun culture. And the things that are available to, for sale at these gun shows to feed this culture. At one table, you can find um, uh, military-styled semi-automatic rifles. On the next table, you'll find ways of dressing that rifle up with all kind of accessories to make it ever more potent and more deadly. Mm -hmm. The next stand, you'll find someone's got books that says it's illegal to convert these weapons to fully automatic. But if it were legal, this is how you would do it. And then the next one shows you how to buy the parts and the tools to be able to make the conversions. I know. I always tell people you be you be most people don't realize the knowledge that's in the public library. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could get a book out and learn how to make a bomb in, in no time. I mean, and you're exactly right. These this mentality is in um, the uh, at these gun shows and all these places that audience promoted that audience were some of them were supporters of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of them weren't like my student is not. I mean, so it just, you know, a lot of people just like country Western, right? It's so, music. It's, it's, it's fun. Music. It's culture. That's it's right. Culture. Yeah. So I just try And I think that we need to understand that too. I think that although to some, it might seem that, um, this, um, setting was, uh, 
a conservative one, there are people in all diverse lives that attended that that concert and um, had diverse perspectives too. There were vegans and vegetarians that were shot, killed, and or injured at that event. I know that as a fact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we don't necessarily associate vegans and vegetarians with an obsessive gun culture as well as extensive xenophobia and ethnic rivalry or ethnic conflict, which feeds into this idea of this obsessive gun culture. We also have an America right now which is overridden, overloaded with fear of the other, xenophobia, ethnic (laughs) rivalry, ethnic conflict. You know, we have a a caller or somebody that messages. Thank you, Kimber. Um, They said that I find it curious that the police reports have indicated that the shooter had no military training. And then they said, really? Um, You know, Uh, it's suspect. I really don't know what's going on. I think that that's the thing. You know, there's now we have so much fake news going on um, in the world that it's hard to decipher what's truth and what's not. Well, even if he didn't have military training, he definitely knew how to shoot a gun. He had knowledge. And to your point, uh, Kitty, you can learn that stuff just by going to a couple of gun shows. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and going to the desert and chopping up right. a few magazines. Now, one of the first observations I made, and I've not seen any news stories that have confirmed this, is that these shots were coming from high extended capacity magazines. These are not your 30 round magazines that person might be acquiring for the AR-15s or AK-47s. These were are what are called drum magazines or belt fed most likely i would say drum magazines which are accessible at gun shows you can get them on the internet etc that hold up to 100 round capacities because as i was listening to the uh, gunfire reports the the rate of fire was going far far beyond the capacity of 30 round magazines it seemed to me to be about 100 shots at a time before a pause to switch guns because a Hundred shots coming out of a magazine at that rate is going to cause the barrel of a rifle to uh, approach the point that it's going to start to melt and or warp. Yes, you're exactly right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's what they were saying that they get too hot, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's exactly right. Um, first, of all, I want to thank Kimber for your 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 um, text. Yeah, thank you, Kimber, for yeah, your we, message. But um, yeah, that that whole. Um, theory is, is it's just amazing that people think that you um that there were different people i don't know i don't you know. know i mean we, I we, know. the truth of the matter is we really don't know that's the, mm-hmm. the whole thing we really don't know and i think the problem is, is a lot of people are trying to get uh or you know it's just like that the game telephone right mm. people keep passing on um different ideas of what they think may happen or something there's so many stories out there, just like Dr. Seller, my mom was saying, that just in her, it hit home for her just because one of our students had experienced some of it. So everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're all different because they all experience something different. I mean, um, I know that one girl was talking about something that happened in Mandalay Bay uh, where somebody diffused that and said, well, no, those were people running in from the streets into Mandalay Bay that were bloody. So it's like, but I don't know if there was, I mean, because there was so much because it seems so well planned and so chaotic and that so many people were killed, it's it's hard to believe that one person was able to well, do think, all that yeah. in such a short amount of time and nobody to be able to sniper him out <clears throat> even immediately. If that, even if that one person did do the shooting at Correct. one time, I think uh, the interesting part is how did they get to that point, to your point, Katie, get those guns in there. Well, they can sneak some bags, maybe. Because that, that's the problem. I mean, that's where it comes to play. Where is it? Is it security that we, our security is not good enough? Because if you take a big duffel bag, some of those guns could be concealed because people think, oh, they just have clothes. There's so many different sports events that take place in those hotels. Mm-hmm. They'll play a basketball, lot of golfers coming in. Golfers, baseball. And a golf. Um, that could, could look just like um, some of the guns. But no, had. no hotel person went in. No cleanup. They, they but think about those. that, though. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's so many people coming in and out of those hotels. 
There's not enough security. I, I mean, think- I even think when we go down there, I noticed my husband and I went recently and we were staying at the Encore and we had like the, the suites, which are a little bit off to the side. But even when you walk right out into the casino, you see so many um, people. It's just, it's just filled with so many people. How can they check all those people unless you do have an idea, a thought. A thought. I mean, because people come in from different, I mean, it's so easy for different people, kinds of people to come through. That's right. Yeah, I know when I travel to Africa, you're staying at the major hotels in cities like Nairobi and Addis Ababa. They do have security uh, gateways and security check for everyone entering the hotel. So I think that's what they need. Well, I think this is almost inevitable at this particular point. Again, in the, in the long run, we have those who do put forward conspiracy theories say there is an ultimate agenda by which the hidden hand would conspire with these provocative um, incidences, what is called a Hegelian dialectic, crises, mm-hmm. anti-crises reaction, and then ultimately a new solution proposed synthesis. And the new solution is what they maybe intended all along. So it could very well likely be that this is a sort of new New Pearl Harbor, if you can recall that term, the New Pearl Harbor being recalled with relation to the 911 incidences. Um, So that is one of those macro trends that we really better be paying close attention to. Is this perhaps a new New Pearl Harbor? And where is this going? Now, to get an idea of where it's going, one of these eight macro trends that I have pointed to that is far more important than the incident is the pathway, and that is the forecast, the prediction, by a Norwegian economist by the name of Johan Galtung, who predicted accurately within the month the demise of the Soviet Empire, the Iranian Revolution, and several other significant global events. He has a a specific algorithm formula he uses to predict these outcomes. And his forecast made some 20 years ago, 25 years ago, was that the United States would lose, by the year 2025, would see its global empire diminish and domestically would start degrading into fascism. After the second George Bush presidency, Johann Galtung moved his forecast up to the year 2020. Right now we can see that the U.S. global empire... I need to get a house in Africa or either Europe or something. Well, now you're talking to what our best long-term self-interest would be, and I think you're right on point. Well, um, you know what? I have heard about that Norwegian, and and, and I, you know what? It is so true that, and and, and, and this is from one res- perspective. I also know from a biblical perspective, the United States doesn't even isn't even really. A, a superpower when Christ comes back. I mean, when the God comes back. So it doesn't, this, we are headed down some type of major, whether you believe it biblically or, uh, theoretically, we're headed towards some type of change. We will be, we are diminishing ourselves, not only in economics, but environmental things, in, um, in, in, um, race relations. And, and social, we're just diminishing ourselves as a country. And if you can't see it, then you're blind. And that's the <laughs> whole thing. I think a lot of people are. They have these binders and they're in their own little world. Um, I, I remember going to church and, and they had a guy kind of like in a military thing with a gun. And I'm like, why does he have a gun in church? Mm-hmm. I, my, I couldn't get my armor in my head around it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my whole perspective has changed. Put that man in church. <laughs> I want him there to protect me, right? Well, the whole thing is, though, is did you hope that man's sane enough that's, that he doesn't go blow up the church? It's like you have to be prepared for everybody to go crazy nowadays. It's so so sad. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, so you you, pers- you uh, agree that probably this we're in a, headed toward a change. Yes, we are in mm-hmm. what the noted... Uh, sociologist, historical professor, one of the most noted professors in American history, Carol Quigley, who wrote the book Tragedy and Hope, published a book in 1961 called The Evolution of Civilizations. And he talks about some 26 
major civilizations which have appeared in world history. And he said, you know, and most of them now are not dominant civilizations. Um, he said most of them went through seven distinct phases of their emergence, their dominance, their conflict, and then their ultimate decay, decay and collapse. And when we look at this formula of these seven stages of civilization, and then we, we look at the United States, we can see two major things that are significant. One, the United States is an immature empire. When you compare other empires, such as, you know, or civilizations, such as Mesopotamian, Egyptian, uh, Greek, Roman, uh, Western civilization, and the dominance of, say, Spain for a century, France for a century, Britain for a century, the United States is a relatively new empire, new state. And as such, all of these empires and states are birthed through violence and conquest, a lot of military activity. Nearly all of them. Yeah. An exception. Kemet might be an exception, even though they did have significant periods of warfare and violence during their entire history. But the United States is birthed out of a tremendous amount of violence and killing and stealing of land and conquest. That's really only about 140 or so years that they really kind of finished this violent conquest of this ge geography. And as such, this is one of the reasons why America still persists with such a high level of violence within the culture, because it's it's still a, 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 a kind of a reflection of its birthing process. But further, when he takes you through these seven stages of civilization, the United States appears to be firmly moving into stage six of seven, and that is the stage of decay and degeneration, where the living the lifestyle that the people at the civilization's apex was so great through the expansion, but unfortunately, expansion stops, lifestyle peaks, and very critically important, the wealthy elite of that empire start to gather so much, hoard so much of the resources, so much of the wealth and income that the masses in the middle, the middle class, now start suffering and start to turn in on themselves. I think that is almost a perfect description for the America that we're seeing in recent decades. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sadness. And, and um, I think that people who are, you know, middle-aged can really see it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I used to hear uh, my mom talk about how the world changed. But, um, and, 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 you know, I used to liken that to, oh, you're getting older. But it is a different, different world. We are, we are, um, and another thing I think too, I, you know, you know, I wasn't a Trump supporter. I tell Donald Trump that I wasn't a Trump supporter. Um, you know, um, I didn't particularly love either of the candidates, but my, my whole thing was this is good that it all came out because before I think we were living in this unrealistic world. We weren't um, aware that all of this has opened up our eyes to uh, what is the change that's coming and, and the reality that we're really in. And, and I'm a realist. So I, I, I like the fact that we know. And, and I think that with the knowing our choices that we have to make, what are those choices for us? What are those choices for our families? Um, realistically, all of us can't run to another country, right? But what can we do or what, how can we set up expectations for our family? That's the next step, um, you know, for people. One of the reasons I love the topic or the subject, the category called scientific futurism is that it gives us alternative pathways by which to traverse the future that we've read is coming into being. Scientific futurism encompasses 15 different scientific disciplines, things like sociology, psychology, politics, economics, geography, geology. It incorporates climate change and weather conditions. It also, one of the most important parts of it is called demographics, the study of the numbers of people and how these numbers change and how they influence and affect global policies. The beautiful thing about it is we are living in an era, born into an era that we have now become to recognize a phenomena that's being called Africa 
rising. The demographics are there. Africa has the youngest nations of any part of the planet. Africa's current rate of gross domestic product growth, GDP growth and industrialization is almost three times that of the United States of America. African nations, six African nations are manufacturing automobiles now. And uh, uh, one country alone, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, has $24 trillion of untapped industrial mineral resources still underneath its soil. That's almost the exact same figure of money that I calculated is owed to the sons and daughters and the families of enslaved Africans who were never paid $24.57 trillion in unpaid debt on and interest on our labor. So when we talk about we can't all get up and move to Africa, well, technically, theoretically, we could. Hmm. Within the next 35 years, the population of Africa, which is currently 1.25 billion people, will be expanding by another 1.2 billion people. So Mm -hmm. that today, one out of every five people on Earth is of African heritage. And in 35 years, it will be one out of every four. The continent of Africa is going to have a population expansion by one billion. And if there are only 48 million of us in America, 300 million Africans outside the continent, all of us could move there and still have plenty of more room for another 700 million people to join us. Let me me ask you this. So so we know that, you know, I know that areas in Africa are are experiencing some growth and and, you know, oil is huge and hugely available, um, a lot of minerals and all those things. But there is this thing in Africa and, and I'm not as educated about it, but the. The the um, the the control of the government and the government mm-hmm. uh, people being able to uh, get um, share the wealth because you know um, you hear about um, uh, government and military coups and and not stability in, in military you hear about um, the, the very rich are doing well but the the poor suffer tremendously how is that all going to change because. Ah. That, that that that's a question that I know people would love to hear your mm-hmm. yeah there is a wonderful document available via the internet anyone can download it and start reading it instantly called agenda 2063 it's formed by the African Union on the 50th anniversary of the founding of the original organization of African unity <clears throat> and they projected the future of the continent out another 100 years. And there is an an immense amount of wonderful, viable solutions within the 72 points made under Agenda 2063. Africa is changing so rapidly. In fact, just a little over a week ago, I don't know how many people heard it. It certainly didn't get bounced around a lot by African people, black people in this country. But Donald Trump made a statement that said, a lot of my friends are going going to Africa to make a lot of money, to get wealthy. And that is actually true. It's been kind of a a keep it from the black people conversation that's been going on, even though the evidence for Africa rising is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. I go to several conferences a year that Mm -hmm. are themed around African trade, investment, development, and growth and these type of things. And I even speak at the conferences. Um, the, The fact of the matter is, is that black people in America really are the linchpin to unleash a dynamic on this planet <clears throat> that will determine the destiny of the planet, <clears throat> excuse me, that will determine the destiny of the planet for the next 500 years or more. We are so close. We've got the key in our hands, and we're being told every day by very sophisticated apparatus that, no, we need to be thinking about police homicides, No, we be thinking about the lives of celebrities. You know, O.J. Simpson just got out of jail. We need to have that on every talk radio show. No, we need to be coming up with wild conspiracy theories about every event that happens. Do anything, but don't have us learning to speak Portuguese so we can tap into the phenomena of Mozambique's rapidly growing industrial and GDP base, Angola, uh, 
uh, Cape Verde Islands. Don't learn to speak French so that we can go into 18 different countries across sub-Saharan Africa or across the continent of Africa and relate to our people despite the fact that many of them are speaking local indigenous languages, but their governments are run in foreign languages. So we need to be speaking Kiswahili so we can create the continental unity that Shikanta Diop uh, instructed us to do in his 1977 book, Black Africa. The beautiful thing about it is the more we study, the more we go there in person and learn for ourselves, the more that we find, yes, I can imagine Africa, my destiny, as well as the next eight generations of children to grow up from my family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I have a a comment and it says by Dr. J. Oh, it says, well, no, it says, um, it says right here, right? Mm. Well, you just described in Africa is what's happening in America right now. America is the nation with an authoritarian leadership and whether there is a great disparity in wealth and power sharing. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. I think Dr. J, you're, you're Dr. J. Oh, this is for you, Stella. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, I just think it's, amazing. First of all, I think it's very sad that we as African American, and I don't even like to call myself African American. I, I don't know what to call myself at this point. We as black African Americans, mm-hmm. we need to be tapping into resources that are going to make our generation prosperous. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that resources in Africa, it's a shame that we don't know about this. And and um, I, it's, that scientific futuristic uh, movement, we need to understand what we need to do and how we can get that information out to our people about opportunities. Because right. right now, I think what's happening now is that we don't feel we have a sense of hope. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we're, we've lost a sense of culture as well. Culture you know, and And I think as well as there's been such a negative implementation of, of or uh, uh, that's not the correct word, but the the thought of Africa has not been something that people have put in a positive light. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's the that's the sad part. Instead of us being proud of what Africa can be and will be, we've been taught so for so long how the negative of Africa, the 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 things that are bad, instead of the things that are positive. And, and, and I, I think will, and I would say even some people, even some Africans, have made you think that. And I and I'm and I'm not throwing them into the bus, but you'll hear about them. You know, you talk to them about it because I think everyone that has African roots wants has a, this kind of. It's that, that it's in your blood, right? You have this blood desire to see your your place, you know, mm-hmm. to follow your roots. But you hear some say, "Well, oh, it's so corrupt there. The government's so corrupt." So Depending, you're, you're, right? So some people are just like, do. "Oh my God, I love it." I, I, I know. You have to go, and then you you hear some people saying the opposite, like Nigeria. What, what's going on with Nigeria? Right now, Nigeria is in a critical period of transition. <clears throat> there are. Multiple challenges that Nigeria faces. There is, of course, the ongoing problems in the north um, centered around Boko Haram, which I still contend is not so much Boko Haram. It's Lake Chad. Now, people don't think about Lake Chad, but consider this lake, Lake Chad, the second largest inland body of water on the African continent, was the center of subsistence for 12 million people. It serves Nigeria, Niger, Chad, as well as Cameroon. This lake, since the early 1960s, has dried up by 95%, as much as 95% dried up. What happens oh, wow. when you have 12 million people who grow their food out of that lake, who feed their, their uh, animals, their herds, or they water their animals out of that herd, they, they fish that lake. When that lake dries up by 95%, what happens to the young men who would be the, the pastoralists, who would be the fishermen, who would be um, using the irrigation to grow their foods? They're out of work. So someone then comes in with $100 a month and an AK-47 and says, I want you to be a part of my militia. And those militias are being funded by Saudi Arabia, by Qatar, by the United Arab Emirates and these um, Arabs who have never presented anything positive and sustaining and good for African people 
even in our own lands. They were the ones, primary ones, to destroy much of the monuments that we saw there in the Nile Valley as well. So we got to start seeing these things in the context. Nigeria has its ongoing problem with the movement for independence in the Nigerian Delta. There's now talk about Biafra breaking off again. They tried to do that in 1966, and that was one of the world's greatest tragedies. The image of a child sitting there in the dust with a swollen belly and a vulture just waiting for that child to drop over. That came from Biafra, and that's on the verge of happening again. Nigeria has been seriously impacted by the downturn in commodities prices, therefore forced to diversify its economy. But most people don't know that Nigeria is also building a place called Echo Atlantic, said to be the absolute Wall Street center of economic activity on the African continent. And when you look at the pictures of Echo Atlantic, the first thing you want to say is, I want to live there. So So Nigeria is like the African continent, a paradox, a set of contradictions that could, would, should be guided by those of us who would love our African destiny. Mm-hmm. I have another caller that said something, Ingrid, in Toronto, Canada. Um, Jay. Mm-hmm. Ingrid says, hello, strategic ladies. How do you psychologically prepare for these changes? Well, what do you think? What do you change? So, how do you feel that well, you're doing okay. to prepare well, for these changes? Well, I think. I think I think it's all about education, educating ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I think um, just hearing um, uh, this talk today, Kitty ex- explained. I mean, uh, I have to say I'm African. I'm African ignorant. Um, I, um, but I do know this that I, I I think about the future of my grandchildren, and I am looking and researching now before this conversation, where I think they should be. Because Mm -hmm. I agree that America, the America we know now, and the America that we used to know, I don't think at the the mindset that's here today, um, it's not it's, it's not gonna it's gonna it's gonna get worse I don't th- so I think the best thing that we can do is, is start tapping the resources uh, to your point Kitty learning different languages not ne- not necessarily languages we're used to learning but languages that are going to make us more diversified geographically I think it's important getting our kids in those languages so education, education. So physiologically myself yeah. I, I would agree with you educating yourself and and not sit there and worry because I think that worrying is not going to change anything. You have to get to the point where you you do prepare. So education is the best way so that you know what your next, make a plan on your next steps. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, um, I will agree, like what Katie said, and as well as my mom, Dr. Stella, I am um, in some ways Africa ignorant as well, but I I do know a few languages and I think that that's important. And Mm -hmm. I want the kids to know um, a few languages as well, because I think that's sometimes some of the African-Americans downfall because we, we sometimes don't expand our horizons in that way. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, international business and and things that I think are going to be important in the future more so than now, um, I think we're going to move, move backward in a sense of trade is going to be more, um, intense and having different languages behind you so that you're able to to speak languages so that you can make those trades commence. And tap um, into, it's important. Tap into what are some of the needs in these areas? Um, you know, what are some of the resources and your skill set? Because I think you need to think of um, not some of the traditional pathways. Mm-hmm. What are some of the needs that you can, what kind of, re, what education can you get that will make you, and we talk about this all the time, even America, right? How, what, what, what are, if I become a doctor, well, I'm going to be needed everywhere, but the doctor path is not for everybody. But what is that path that you can take that's going to make you resourceful? And going to make you um, able to be a benefit somewhere else. And it should be, and I think we've got to get out of the mindset of being just U.S. based. We got to think geographically. I tell my students that all the time. We You're are globally. Globally, yeah. Globally. You know, we, we are a global society. We cannot think the way we used to. So, Kitty, now that we talked about our things that we think you should prepare youth for these changes, what are some things that you think will be valuable for Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid, for writing in as well. Yeah. Great questions. Great comments. You know, I'm the author. I have 31 books out now. 
Well, I have three amazing. three more books in the pipeline. One to be finished by next week, and then excuse the me, excuse has- me, I have to interrupt you. Thirty-one books. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, um, we're we're good. We're Africans, and one of the th- primary things we could should do to get ourselves physiologically prepared is get this body thing right. We got to get our health thing right. Last year. <clears throat> There was an immense amount for the last two years, immense amount of passion centered around Black Lives Matter. Us responding to, in 2016, the police homicides against black people numbered some 425 during the course of the year. That's very, very serious. And we should be resisting that. Yes. Problem, no, not 425, about 400. But here's the thing. For every one person who died because of police homicide... 425 were killed prematurely by bad medicine. Iatrogenics is called death by doctor. Iatrogenics. Yes. yes. The total number of casualties of black people dying prematurely because of bad medicine in the year 2016 amounts to around 170,000. That's a 911 yes. every week. More and than 911 every and, week. Just that's you know what? Yeah, and this is not just a African American issue, right? There Correct. are so many people that you know. Dick Gregory said it so eloquently. <laughs> he said, "Soul food has killed more black people than the KKK." <laughs> Almost on a weekly basis. Yes, and we can't get away from it. And I don't know. I think it's in our emotionally. T- we're emotionally tied to this diet, this mm. way of this lifestyle. But we, we, but it's not natural for us. Well, it's not natural. It's become culturally ingrained. And so, therefore, we know the pathway to get away from it is to just change and transform the culture. That's not as difficult to do as what most people would imagine. But it does require commitment of major resources. Um, And then when we talk about what to do to get ourselves prepared, uh, I published a book last December called The Repairing. It's my tour de force by no doubt the most comprehensive, engaged, futurist book I've ever written. And it's centered around the nine foundations of reparations, but specifically towards the idea that we have enough resources to repair ourselves. We can repair ourselves in all these nine different areas, including international relations and the rebuilding of our economic facilities and structures. I think it's a wonderful book. People okay. are frequently talking about rebuilding Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that miracle. Unfortunately, the people who tell that story seem to leave out several major parts of that story, such as they talk about the destruction that happened in May 1921, but they seem to forget the fact that five years later, they had completely rebuilt the whole thing. Right. And then they don't talk about what six phenomena come together out of history that cause black wall street to spring up like it did there were black towns there were some 200 black towns in canada united states and mexico during that time period what caused this one to spring up so much and do those six conditions exist right now either in the united states or outside the united states i say yes they do absolutely exist right now but it's not in the united states we got to go global to find the same conditions that created this miracle we now continue to celebrate called Black Wall Street. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is so enlightening. And I know we started off from, you know, talking about the tragedy in in Vegas, but we have to realize that this is um, something that is, it's uh, one of the signs of the changes that are happening in America. That's and right. it's all related. I think what we need to do is do some forward thinking. Um, we, we can't live in the past. We can't, um, you know, we talk about culture change. I think this book, The Repairing, will give people a good foundation on, on what they can do to repair. And I think that's a great title. Um, but I also think we need to look deep inside ourselves as to what are what are things we can do individually to prepare our families for the future and what options make sense for us. Right. right. And I think um, we no matter what nationality, ethnic group, whatever you want to call it, we we all are people 
And we all need to um, really um, behave like that. And I think we're getting this 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 mentality that's this far from that. Um, we're um, and it's going to get worse. So I thank you, Kitty, for coming on the show. You're yes, always a pleasure. You, You're so delightful and intelligent, intelligent, and we need to have you on again to talk about maybe part two of what what people can do. And maybe I think a good first step is for people to read, you know, the book, The Repairing, and then maybe we'll discuss that book on on our next show. Yeah, awesome. well, not our next show, but a future our show. Next, yeah, yeah definitely so. Show. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> definitely so. Oh, yeah. Well, I most certainly look forward to every opportunity to connect with. My beloved family there at Interlight Radio. Your program is fantastic. Your perspectives are fresh. They're well-informed, and they're not hysterical. I like talking with people who are willing to kind of discard some of these preconceived notions that we have of us being perpetual victims and now put ourselves back in control. People can learn more about the book at therepairing.com. It's a phenomenal book. It's just coming back from its third printing now, so it is moving. And we look forward every opportunity we can to help people find their own great pathway to the future. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kitty, for being part of the show today. You're always a pleasure and so enlightening. So you guys, please check out The Repairing. And uh, Kitty, did you want to leave any information of how people can find you if they want to find um, your book or want to contact mm-hmm. you, the things that you do want to share, of course. Yeah. Well, I do have a lot of websites. And I do broadcast. I've been broadcasting daily for 15 years. Brother Jamal and I came up together. So they can get access to the archives. See more detailed researches at the number 7mac.com. 7mac.com. That's our 7th millennium Academy of Consciousness. It is the year 6258 right now because we acknowledge our own brilliance in creating an accurate solar calendar. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you have a lot to teach us, Kitty. <laughs> you definitely do. You're right. You're All amazing. Right. So thank you so much for having or being on our show. It was a pleasure. Let's I hope do to this see again. You again soon. Yes. Absolutely. And before, because I am also sharing this with the LIB radio family, before you go, make sure you tell our LIB radio family about how to maintain contact with you as well. Like fingers on the same hand, we will never know our strength until we acknowledge, appreciate, and cooperate with each other. I agree. And I love that people can find us at write the number two at strategicladies.com or they can always go to www.strategicladies.com and there's more info on us. And, um, yeah, and we believe in a mindful lifestyle and we do a lot of education on mindful, uh, living. Uh, I won't say mindfulness because, um, we do do mindfulness, but I think there's another step to that and that's enlightenment. And I think that you need to really make sure that you uh, edu- fill your mind with the right things. And so we go a step beyond mindfulness. So um, we can be, you can hear more about that at our site and through us. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this moment with me. Strategicladies.com. I'm loving it. Thank you, Kitty. <laughs> Thank you, Kitty. It was Thank nice to talk to you. What's up? Bye. Wow, amazing. Wow, what a pleasure. You know, so much brilliance in that man and so much. So, I mean, honestly, um, we've been blessed with a lot of our our guests. So intelligent, so much to share. Um, Kitty actually has is a worth of knowledge. I can I can tell there's so much that I would love to pick his brain um, because it, I feel that he has a lot of knowledge to share. So definitely we'll be checking out the repairing. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that we fail to do is is people is educate herself, and it's not just in a classroom. Correct. You know, you need to tap into the resources because um, I love on both sides. I love the fake news, and I love the alternative facts on both sides. You know, we're not going to get this news. You know that from having a husband from another country. Right. Um, the news that we get over here is not all the time true, yeah. and it's not all the time clear. Correct. So you need to research and find what's out there. I mean, because we're one of the countries that are blessed to have open lines to everywhere. So you can research and get deeper into learning about what's going on in the world by going to even BBC news tells you even more than what just CNN will tell us. So 
And just you know, knowing what's happening in correct. Africa, a huge amount right. of opportunity. Maybe that path is not for you, but maybe that path is for you or for someone you know. So putting them in is important. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I hope you enjoyed our show as much as we did. And, and Kitty, please check out www.strategicladies.com. Um, for more information, and you can always write us at write, W-R-I-T-E, the number two, at strategicladies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week. And have a great day. And remember that mindful thought. Be cool. <laughs> Strategic Ladies